we're going to be in the book of Numbers tonight, chapter number 13. So if you'll find your Bible uh, and follow along with me, Numbers chapter 13, we're going to continue our study on uh, Onward Christian Soldiers. Amen. And uh, and tonight we're going to be looking at Numbers 13, and we're going to read verses 21 through 33. And so... Uh, if you have your Bibles, let's just jump in here, but let's first ask God's blessing on this service. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask you now that you would help us for the next few minutes to learn something from your word that would enable us to be more like Jesus and to serve you faithfully and effectively. And we'll be careful to give you the praise and the honor and glory for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. All right, Numbers chapter number 13 and verse number 21. So they went up and searched the land from the wilderness of Zin unto Rehob as men come to Hamath. So they went up and searched the land from the wilderness of Zin unto Rehob. I just read that verse twice, didn't I? <laughs> Sorry about that. Verse 22. And they ascended by the south and came unto Hebron, where Ahimon, Shishai, and Talmai, the children of Anak, were. Now, Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. Verse number 23. They came unto the brook of Eshcol and came down from thence. And cut down from thence, rather, a branch with one cluster of grapes. And they bare it between two upon a staff. And they brought uh, uh, of the pomegranates and of the figs. Man, that was a big cluster of grapes, was it not? Verse 24. And the place was called the brook Eshcol because of the cluster of grapes which the children of Israel cut down from thence. And they returned from searching of the land after forty days. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel under the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, uh-oh, nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled, and very great, and moreover we saw the children of Anak there. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. But I'm very tempted to just cut a trail and preach on that one word, nevertheless. It's amazing how one word can change the trajectory of an entire uh, historical account of a nation in the earth. Just one word. Amen. But I digress. Verse 29. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea. And by the coast of Jordan. Well, they studied their problems more than they studied their promises. Hello. Amen. Did y'all catch that? Uh, they knew more about the problems than they did the promises. And look at what verse uh, 30 said, though. Caleb stilled the people 
before Moses. Uh, <laughs> I could picture Caleb saying, why don't y'all just shut up a minute and let me talk. Amen. <laughs> said he stilled the people uh, before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. You see the narrative that they brought up? And they had a narrative, but Caleb had the truth. Amen. They had the narrative, but Caleb had the truth. Remember that, verse 31. Uh, listen, what it goes on and says, this nevertheless crowd, they keep talking. Uh, he stilled them long enough to say his piece, and then they kept running their mouth. Uh, but the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. Uh, and by the way, since when did uh, the strength or the weakness of the nation of Israel ever determine their success or failure? Was it not always the strength of God Almighty, the God that they served, that made impossibilities possible for them? At what point did they assume that they could start measuring their potential success by their alleged strength? I mean, they have always trusted God since God delivered them out of Egypt. But somewhere along the way, they got heightened in their pride. As God blessed them with success, they began to forget that the only success they had was found not in their strength, but in the Lord's. And had they remembered that, they would have not have said that these people are stronger than them. Because that wouldn't have even been an issue. Amen. Verse 32. They brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched under the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. Look at that. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were... In their sight. They said we compared ourselves to them and we are as grasshoppers in comparison to them. They ain't no way we're going to do this. And so the Bible said, called what they had to say an evil report because it was anti-faith. It was anti-progress and it was anti-promise. They literally uh, offered a rebuttal to the, uh, the, the godly, divine, and placed leadership called Joshua. Joshua said, we are well able. They turned right around and said, we are not able. I mean, this is outright stubborn rebellion and disrespect towards the leadership that God put in their midst. And they, they was asking for nothing but trouble because it served out that they, all that doubt and bunch had to spend 40 more years and die in the wilderness. My, my. What a mess they got themselves into. Amen. Uh, but I want to focus on verse 30 where Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it. And the title of this part of my series on Onward Christian Soldiers, I call this part it's a, a, the second three-part installment called Looking for a Place to Cross. Looking for a place to cross. They went and spied it out. And here Caleb was at the onset of 40 year, forty long years of misery with a doubting bunch in the, Egypt, uh, in, in the wilderness. rather. 
uh, on the onset looking for an opportunity to cross over, and he's calling God's people into action. And he's literally saying, we can do this, and we can do it right now, and we can do it successfully. There's no need in waiting. But that doubt and bunch, as you know, had other things in their mind. And isn't it interesting how that they brought back uh, and they elaborated their story? I believe you can tell that myself. I doubt that everybody in the land was a giant. I doubt that everybody in the land was stronger than them. But their perception was to amplify their uh, their projected fears. Uh, uh, their, their perceived fears, rather, to amplify their perceived fears. And that's what fear does, is fear magnifies your enemy. Fear magnifies your obstacles. And so before you know it, fear has painted a dismal picture of a circumstance and caused you to believe that it's actually worse than it is. Uh, how how uh, telling is that? I mean, look around you today. Fear-mongering on every corner, uh, on just about every news media outlet. They're promoting fear. They don't like to report the good news. They like to report the bad news because people cleave to that and they're afraid for their lives. And they, they're driven by their emotions and their, that spirit of fear has overtaken them. And it's much the same as what Joshua was dealing with. A doubting bunch of people. And listen, the majority of the people, unfortunately, or a good majority of them, believe the evil report over the good report. Why is it that it seems like the majority of people even today believe the bad news over the good news? Uh, I expect the worst instead of working towards the best. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But I want to make some application spiritually for the church and for the believer tonight on what it means uh, to be looking for a place to cross. Uh, I do believe that Joshua knew that he was bound for the promised land. And he had it so sunk down in his heart and in his spirit that he was going to go over, no matter what anybody else said or did, that God honored his request, even though it took him a long time to get there. But he was determined. And blessings delayed do not necessarily mean blessings denied. You may have been waiting for a long time, and maybe your delay is because of someone else's uh, offense in your life. Don't worry about it. Don't sweat it. Don't fret it. You just keep believing God anyway, and God can make a way where there seems to be no way. And so Joshua could only... Now, I want to mo make a couple of points here. First, Joshua could only bring back one branch off of the vine, uh, of the grapevine. Just one branch. But he couldn't bring back the brook that it grew by. Did you catch that? The only way he could benefit from that brook was to go back. And he was, I, I like to say it in countryfied terms, uh, Joshua was rent. He then saw the brook. 
He done saw the grapevine. He done saw the the grapes, uh, and he was so ready for change. He he was tired of the wilderness already, and this was before the. 40-year curse that was laid upon them. But he was ready. He was singing, I am bound for the promised land. I am bound for the promised land. Oh, who will come and go with me? I am bound for the promised land. Amen. I mean, Joshua was ready to go and he was trying to bring some people with him. But let me tell you something. Don't let other people's stubbornness or or decision not to go keep you from going. You decide in your heart you're going to go for God anyway. Come anyway, come hell or high water. Amen. No matter who drops out, I don't care if your best friend turns their back on you, cusses you a blue streak, and walks away, leaving you broken hearted. Amen. You go on for God anyway. Amen. Uh, hallelujah. So Joshua was bound for the promised land. And listen, what I want to tell you and what I want to focus on tonight is this thought. You know that Joshua was looking for a place to cross because, number one, he had a commanding attitude. He had a commanding attitude. The Bible said that Caleb, uh, I keep saying Joshua, don't I? Caleb, rather, apologies, uh, Caleb, rather, stilled the people. But, you know, Joshua and Caleb was working together, amen. Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once. Caleb said, let us go up at once. Are you hearing that? Now, I want to focus on that phrase. I want to break it down in three segments. First, let's look at the command, let us. Let us. Let us. Follow me now. This is a declarative word. This speaks of Caleb's leadership ability to articulate and to publicly and clearly state his objectives to his potential followers. He knew what he wanted and he didn't mind saying so. One of the hindrances to us crossing over into God's promised land for us, that is God's perfect will for our life and God's most fruitful manifestation of His blessings and presence and anointing in our life is because we are not bold enough to declare and to articulate and to clearly state our objectives before fear of rejection, for fear of ridicule, or for fear of public opinion, or for fear of the doubt and Thomases in our life. But he declared it. He said, let us, amen, let us go. He was not afraid to state his mind. Now, let me ask you a question. What are your objectives as an individual? What are your objectives as a church body? Are, and are they in alignment with God's will and God's word? If they are in alignment with God's will and God's word, then you need not declare them. You need not be a silent. You need not worry about what others may say or think about you. You need to have a declarative 
attitude. You need to have, is it, do you say declarative or declarative? I don't know which. Uh, uh, I guess I'll say declarative. Praise God. Uh, he had a declarative attitude. That was, he was willing to speak. Let me say it to you this way. An unspoken plan is nothing but a dream. An unspoken plan is nothing but a dream. Some of you have been dreaming about doing something for God, thinking about doing something for God, praying about doing something for God. But it's always stayed right there. It's not gone any further than an idea or a thought. But you've been unwilling to speak up. You've been unwilling to let others know what is in your heart and what you're willing to do. But not until you articulate it and define it and clearly state your objectives does it actually become past a dream, and form into a plan. Can I get an amen tonight? You need to be willing to declare what it is that God has called you to do. You don't need to be ashamed of what God has called you to do. Amen. Paul the Apostle said, For I am not ashamed of the power of Christ. Amen. Or, uh, uh, excuse me. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Right? He's not ashamed of the gospel. And if God puts his call on your life, listen, teenager, don't you be ashamed and don't you be embarrassed uh, and don't you try to be a closet Christian and be nervous about uh, 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 showing your true colors as a Christian. Don't be nervous about, can I say it this way, uh, uh, don't be afraid of coming out of the closet for Jesus. Amen. I know that's a, a, that's a terrible term in the homosexual world. But listen, there's a lot of Christians hiding in the closet and they need to open their mouth boldly. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Amen. And you're never going to cross over into the promised land if you don't get some spiritual backbone about you and get you some uh, spiritual strength from the Lord and be bold enough to say what God has put on your heart. Amen. If, uh, uh, let me remind you of this and I'll move on to my next point. Do you remember when Esther was uh, uh, her people... Uh, they were fixing to be annihilated, and she had an opportunity as the king's wife uh, to approach the king's throne uh, without permission. But uh, she was, if she waited for permission, it may have been too late. And so she had to decide to go in unannounced, to go in anyway, even at risk to her own life, to speak up for the people of God. You remember that? And here's what she said in Esther chapter 4 and verse 16. So will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law, and if I perish, I perish. I mean, she didn't even, uh, she didn't even count her own life worthy of conserving. She looked beyond herself. She knew there was a bigger cause than her own personal safety and livelihood. Her nation's future was at stake. And so she said, even if it brings me to uh, 
uh, the death penalty. I must speak up for Jesus. I must speak up for the Word of God. She was declarative. Amen. She, and this is where Caleb was. He was telling them in the midst of opposition, in the midst of popular opinion, in the uh, amen, in the midst of. Uh, I mean, he was like a he was like a fish trying to swim upstream against the current. Uh, I, but here Caleb was in spite of all the the backward current. We'll call it backward current because they were going the wrong way. In spite of all the naysayers and all of the popular opinion, he stood up in the midst and he went the opposite direction. He said, we are able. Let us go up at once. And he was not afraid to say so. And I'm telling you as a church of the living God, when God calls us to do the Great Commission, we've already got God's permission and we don't need man's opinion. We don't need man's permission. We don't need the association's approval stamp of approval or rejection or any of that man. Listen, we just need to be obedient to the Lord and let the chips fall where they may. But be declarative in your position. Don't be afraid to speak up for Jesus. I can't overemphasize this point. How many Christians today in America are afraid uh, to speak up for Jesus because somebody might say something about them while over there in... uh, in Afghanistan, they're congregating together knowing that they're likely going to be found and slaughtered by the Taliban and they refuse to deny Jesus. God help us as Americans if we don't have no more backbone uh, than to uh, be willing to resist uh, uh, you know, a little bit of naysay to resist a little bit of doubt and resist, uh, you know, I mean, come on guys, we haven't been persecuted over here. We need to get some backbone about us. Come on and somebody say amen right there. Uh, looks like some of you are. Praise God. Let me do this now. I gotta move on. So he was declarative. I wanna say number two though, his leadership was not only declarative, but his leadership was, uh, directive. It was directive. He said, let us, next two words, go up. That is, he had a specific direction that he knew they needed to go. And that was up. Amen. He had a specific plan of action. In Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse number 2, the Bible said that the Lord answered me, and said, write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. Now, now once you speak and articulate and communicate your, uh, your position with God, your plans for God, you need to put them on paper. You need to write them down. And you need to have a directive. And you need to have a specific plan of action. You know, the Bible says a man's heart devises his way, but the Lord directs his steps. You might, you might say, all I have right now, Brother Gary, is a general direction. That's okay. Write it down. And then pray and ask the Holy Spirit of God to give you specific directions on how you can begin to strategize and fulfill the plan and the purpose that God has for your life and for your ministry. But if you don't, uh, if you don't verbalize it and if you don't put it down, listen, you won't have direction. The reason you write goals is so you'll have a directive so that he that reads can go thereby. So that it, it, it's, it's like a, it's like a, uh, 
It's like the star in the sky, the North Star. It gives you a point of reference that is steady and stable. That's why God gave us His Word in writing, so that we would not be left to the demises of our own failing memories. But we could go back to the written Word and be reminded of what God said, even when we're in doubt, and even when we're confused, and even when we're forgetful. And that's why it gives us the Holy Spirit to bring those written words back up to our memory. But God wants you to have a plan of action. How many churches today dry up on the vine and die because they do not have a specific plan of action to reach their community? Listen, uh, it's important, people of God, to do exactly what God says do and to pray for wisdom and pray for strategy. Amen. I thought about uh, First uh, Chronicles chapter 12 and verse number 32. Listen to this verse. And of the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. The heads of them were 200 and all their brethren were at their commandment. Did you see that? If you, uh, if you are a discerner of the times, if you understand the times, and you have the right answers, you can lead hundreds, if not thousands of people to Christ simply because you have a plan based upon truth from God's Word, and you discern and understand the times, and you know what you ought to do in times like these. Uh, listen, as long as Christians are running around panicked and fearful and worried and stressed, and they act like they don't know what to do, listen, you're not going to get no followers. You're not going to have no converts. You're not going to bring people to church with you while you're just as confused as they are. You're just as worried as they are. But when you get the Word of God deep down inside of your soul and your spirit, and you know who you are, and you know whose you are, and you know what you're supposed to be doing for God, and you know how to respond in troubled times. You know how to praise in the midnight hour. You know how to pray when all hell broke loose against you. You know what to do under pressure. Listen, it's those kinds of people that God raises up as leaders in society society and leads people to Christ. It is because we know what to do that others follow us. It's not because we don't know what to do. And they ain't no wonder so many churches are not growing. They act like they don't know what to do. They act like they're totally clueless. But it's not anybody's fault but their own because God's already given us His instruction manual called the Bible. If we would read it regularly and put it to practice, there's no reason why we wouldn't know what to do. Can I get an amen tonight? So we need to have a directive. We need to have a specific plan of action. And we need to start with God's plan of action written in the pages of the Word of God. You say, I don't know what God wants me to do. It won't take you long to find out if you'll just go to seeking Him and reading His Word. Because the Bible says, seek me and you shall find me. Can I get an amen, church? So you need to get a directive from heaven. And you need to have the uh, directive attitude like Joshua did. Listen, be declarative. Be directive. And then lastly, I want to say this. We got to be decisive. We got to be decisive. He said, let us. That's declarative. He said, go up. That's directive. He said, at once. That's decisive.
That's decisive. Listen. Caleb was able to make uh, his decisions quickly and move forward aggressively with confidence. He was, let me repeat that. He was able to make his decisions quickly and move forward aggressively with confidence. Where did he get his confidence from? The Lord. Where did he get his confidence from? Confidence from the, the Word of God. Where did he get his confidence from? The leadership of Moses that imparted wisdom unto him and showed them how to follow the voice of God. Amen. Listen, uh, we, we need to realize, uh, we need to realize that God has given us what we need to be confident. Being confident of this very thing. That he which hath begun a good work in you shall perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. Listen, James chapter 4 and verse 17 says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. You know what that tells me about Caleb? That tells me that Caleb was able to identify when inaction was equal to sin before God. Now, isn't that interesting? Our inaction is, is sometimes a sin before Almighty God. If we know to do good and we do it not, if we know to tell people about Jesus and we don't do it, if we know to invite people to church and we don't do it, if we know to live right and to be a good witness for Jesus but we don't do it, then we have sinned because we have not done the right thing. If we know to be obedient to the Spirit of God, if we know to listen to the, the spiritual advisors that are filled with the Holy Spirit of God and the Word of God that God puts in our lives and we refuse to listen to godly counsel, uh, if we know to do that but we don't do it, we have sin. And a lot of times we excuse our inaction. I'm talking about we need to be able to be decisive on what God wants and be able to move forward aggressively without without uh, suffering from the cancer of inaction. So many churches have plans. So many Christians have plans that they talk about. And they've been talking about them for 20 years. They still ain't done them. When, when, when are you going to do it? Uh, do you realize that you may be cursed by the sin of inaction? And I know that sometimes we want perfect conditions. But most likely, you're not going to get perfect conditions. Most likely, you're not going to be given anything but a word from God in a directive. And you're just going to have to step out in faith and trust God to put all the pieces together as you begin to walk towards His will for your life. But you need to be decisive and learn to walk by faith and not by sight. Listen to this crowd. Jesus told us about a bunch. Luke chapter 14 and verse 16. They were inactive. Listen. Then he said unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. Amen. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground. And I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. Now notice, the supper was now ready. Keyword, 
now. But these people wanted act, acted like, well, they weren't ready now. You see, we get in trouble when God's now is different than our now. You see, uh, who was it, King Agrippa, that said, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. I believe it was King Agrippa. And I believe he said, Come at a more convenient time. God was saying now. He was saying not now. When our now lines up with God's, that's when we move forward. But when our now is delayed, when God's now is right now, then we sin through the sin of inaction. And so they begin to make excuse. And another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee have me excuse. Another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. It always strikes me funny because, it, I mean, the way I read that is I have married a wife. Enough said, right? I mean, that was this, this guy's attitude. This is funny to me. But uh, so the servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly. You see, the people of inaction never seem to catch the sense of urgency in the Spirit of God. There is a sense of urgency. That now is the accepted time. Behold, today is the day of salvation. The, uh, Jesus says, uh, "The harvest, uh, the the fields are already white under harvest right now, but the laborers refuse. Pray ye therefore the Lord of harvest that He would send forth laborers into His harvest. Why? Because the harvest is ready for us. There's people out there right now that we could go out this week and win to Jesus Christ. They're ripe for the picking, and all we got to do is get off of the stool of do nothing and begin to do something for God. But we sin daily with our inaction. Oh, God help us. And it reminds me of that sad, sad verse in the Old Testament. I don't remember the reference. The, uh, the summer has ended. The harvest is past. And we are not saved. Oh, God, help us. Don't ever, don't ever let that be said of us. Lord, help us. Help us to be harvesters for Jesus. Amen. And uh, so he went out and did what he told him to do. He said, uh, uh, go quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. Oh, and I'm glad there's still room at the cross for you, aren't you? And the Lord said unto the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be Feel God said, uh, I've got a wedding event and my house is going to be full. It may, you may not come, but I'll find somebody that appreciates my grace. I'll find somebody that will love me and serve me. I will find somebody that will do what I've called them to do. And so you may want to miss out on what God's uh, best and brightest plans are for your future if you want to, but God will walk right on by if you decide to sit with your old stubborn self and remain inactive for God. Amen? We don't need missing in action Christians. He said, uh, 
Uh, he said, go to the highways and hedges. And he said, for I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. He said, uh, they will not taste of my supper because I said the supper is ready now. I love my wife and I appreciate what she does in the kitchen. But let me tell you something about Miss Amy. When supper's ready, supper's ready. If whatever you're doing, you drop it and you come eat because it, it'll get cold quick. And she don't need to have to reheat it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Praise God. And just like that, God's calling right now. It's supper time. A wedding is a, 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 a wedding event. It's going to take place. Uh, and He's calling. And that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord uh, shall be saved. And He's told the church uh, to go into the highways and hedges and compel those which are lost to come in. And He's told the church, listen, uh, uh, to go uh, uh, bring in heads of the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind and all the all the people that are re- rejects of society. He said, I want them all. Bring them all in. And yet the church uh, sits in her presence in her inaction and dries up and dies because we are committing the sin of inaction and we are not decisive. We are not aggressive. We find every excuse and every reason and every way and we'll even use prayers as an excuse to do nothing for God. Well, preacher, let me pray about it. You've been saying that for 30 years. Have you really been praying about it? Can I get an amen, somebody? We need action. We need decisiveness. Church, let's not get stale. Church, let's not get inactive. I know that right now we're in turbulent times. I know that uh, that there's danger all around and there's potential threats. Uh, but do what you can, where you can, with what you can. Amen. Don't quit. Amen. Be wise. Be harmless. But keep moving for God. Amen. Do what you can with what you got where you can, but don't ever just stop. Praise God. So uh, Caleb was declarative. Caleb was uh, directive in his leadership, and Caleb was decisive in his leadership, and that's why he qualified to be one of the leaders that was able to go over into the promised land some 40 years later with Joshua and them is because he had a commanding attitude and he continued in spite of all the obstacles to look for ways to cross over. Listen, you may try to do something for God and there may be a roadblock. You know what you do? You look for another way to serve God. What What's an alternative route? What's an alternative method or means by which we can get the gospel out? Listen, uh, the sky should, uh, there's, the sky is the limit to what uh, ways and means by which we can further the gospel if we would use our talents and use our treasures and use our imagination and use God's call on our life and His anointing on our life. But let's do something for God and let's cross over into God's best and brightest plans for us while we're here in this day and age in which we live. Amen, church. 
I'm talking about looking for a place to cross. And, and we're gonna we're gonna cross over. My prayer is that this church and this ministry will cross over, and, we, and and that our best days are yet ahead, and that we will see God do great and mighty things, the likes of which uh, this church and this community has never seen before. But it's going to take a collaborated effort. It's going to take all of us uh, uh, having a declarative leadership uh, capability, a directive leadership capability, and a decisive leadership capability to keep moving for God and do what God has called us to do in spite of all the obstacles that are in our way. And if we'll do that, we can reach the next generation and we can teach them good habits, amen. We can show them how to do this and they'll know how to operate under pressures that come their way. Listen, no battle is the same, but the enemy is always the same. Did you hear what I said? The battle may be different, but the enemy is always the same. And so we know, the Bible says, we are not ignorant of His devices. And we need to be aware of the fact that we may have different battles than the generation preceding us. And the next generation may be fighting battles that we don't understand. But we have the same God. We have the same Bible. And we have the same enemy. And though His tactics sometimes may look different, His his purpose is the same, to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus' purpose is all also the same that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly more abundantly so let's go forth let's be decisive let's be directive let's be declarative let's have a commanding attitude and let's find that place to cross over into God's best for us how about it church amen glory to God onward Christian soldier onward we must go thank you let's pray father in the name of Jesus Lord, for this rich word, I thank you. I pray that you'd help us to apply it to our hearts and lives. Make it practical for us. Make it usable for us. May it flesh out in our lives. Stir our hearts to serve you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Help us to love you and love our neighbor as ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.